This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome in to the Hoist the Colors podcast. As always, on Sunday evenings, we are recapping East Carolina's baseball weekend series in the Pirates. Big surprise coming off another Sunday win and another weekend sweep, another victory altogether. They're seventh in a row as they sweep aside the Charlotte 49ers. I'm Stephen Igo, the host of the podcast, the publisher of hoistacolors.net. I'm joined, as always, on our baseball podcast by Jonathan Wagner, intern contributor. I've uh, been doing some women's basketball beat coverage lately, so doing a little bit of everything, Jonathan, but uh, glad that you're back to talk baseball and Another big weekend for the Pirates. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just kind of tipping my toe in everywhere. But, you know, it's been a fun time and some fun baseball, fun weekend. So, ready to talk and recap it. Yeah, I had a, uh, I had a women's student athlete reach out to me asking why we didn't cover uh, any female sports the other day. So, um, I'm glad that you were able to do that for us. I mean, you know, we are we don't have – a million staff members like ECU Athletics, so we do have to uh, cater to what the fans want. And the fans love their Pirate Baseball, and that's why we cover every game. Uh, there's huge interest. ECU Baseball is a very important sport uh, in Eastern North Carolina, and that's why we cover it. So, uh, like always, we're going to go game by game uh, w- with this past week. Of course, we'll focus most on the weekend series as that, as that is what is most fresh. But we always start with the midweek game if there is one. Uh, soon enough, we won't have midweek games to recap because it'll just be conference weekend series, but we've got a few left to go in the month ahead. So we're going to rewind it back to Tuesday, correct? Yeah, Tuesday when East yes. Carolina took on the Duke Blue Devils, and it was two weeks prior to that Tuesday matchup that ECU had already beaten Duke at home, and now they go to Durham and we're looking for the two-game series sweep. They end up getting that with an 11-5 to victory on Tuesday in Durham uh, Bulls Athletic Park, a, a, an empty DBAP as no fans were allowed. And this was really your classic midweek game. Um, lots of pitchers used by both sides. ECU comes out victorious 11-5. Uh, we'll talk about kind of what this win means in an early season midweek series, Jonathan. But just going back over the box score, ton of runs, ton of hits, ton of pitchers used. And uh, I really thought, you know, ECU offensively did a great job of answering in the middle innings. It was the big Connor Norby, big surprise, three-run homer in the six on a 3-0 pitch that broke a 5-5 tie and made it an 8-5 ECU lead. The Pirates added on from there to go up 11-5. And then, obviously, the door was shut by uh, Ryder Giles in the ninth to get a big win. So, Pirates started the week off right with a, a nice victory over an ACC opponent. Yeah, it was one of those games early on, you know, no score through the first inning, but then ECU broke things open in the second, scoring four runs on just base hit after base hit after base hit. 
and you go into the bottom of the second with a 4-0 lead and you know Carter Spivey kind of struggles a little bit in the second and it was kind of a repeat of his first start you know obviously the first time he faced Duke he left in the second inning with the blister on his finger and this time he left in the second inning just because Duke was hitting him it, I don't even know if he was making bad pitches necessarily it was just Duke was all over it in the second inning and then Tristan Kimmel came in and that was just the start of the bullpen day a lot of stressful situations throughout the game even though it was 11 to 5 but yeah I mean Connor Norby kept rolling Josh Moreland had a good day Bryson Worrell had a good day but it was one of those like you said classic midweek games you know lots of pitchers higher scoring and a lot of stressful situations throughout so it was a fun one I wish we could have had some people there in the D-bat, but we couldn't, but oh well. But it was a fun fun start to what would be a really good week. For sure. Both teams used seven pitchers, so a combined 14 pitchers used in the game. Um, you know, ECU got four or three big innings from C.J. Mayhew. Something about Duke. C.J. Mayhew loves facing the Duke Blue Devils as that was his second big-time outing this year against Duke. Of course, did it at home earlier this year. Uh, in the lineup for ECU, Connor Norby, Seth Cadell, Bryson Worrell, Ben Newton, Ryder Drow. So five guys with multi-hit performances. It was good to see Ryder really have a, a nice day at the plate. He ended up having a pretty good week at the plate, uh, which we'll talk about. Ben Newton continuing to do Ben, ben Newton things, uh, reaching certified G territory. Uh, just uh, just like Matt Bridges. Connor Norby's already there. We don't even have to like debate that one. Um, that's an inside joke on the board for those of you who are, who are following along. But, John, I want to talk big picture real quick. This is a, you know, it's a midweek game, but this allows you to sweep Duke in a two-game midweek series. Duke is always an NCAA tournament contender under their current regime. They're probably going to be in a regional somewhere. This is going to be a quality RPI win uh, that will hold up all season long. So how important do you think it was for ECU not only to win one of these games, but to take both uh, so early in the year? I think it's really important. I think, you know, obviously – after this weekend, we have three weekend series sweeps. And then Duke, that's that's four season series sweeps on the season already. And we're not even a month in pretty much. So I said it coming out of opening weekend to that first matchup against Duke. I said, that's one. You don't have to have it, but you really want to come away with it. Because if you can come away with an early season win like that against, like you said, a quality opponent, a, an opponent that's deep with talent, I think they have – professional talent on their roster both in the lineup and in their pitching staff so to come away with that kind of quality win earlier in the year and to do it twice and maybe not even you know both times you did it you were in your bullpen in the second inning so I think that speaks volumes you know how much you trust your pitching staff going to guys like you said CJ Mayhew great against Duke and just overall you know it's really encouraging as a fan to see Two wins against the quality. It's hard to beat a team two times in a row. It's hard to beat a team three times in a row. So to do it, you know, a couple of weeks spread out too, I think just speaks to how tough this team is and how deep this team is. And I'm really encouraged by what I've seen against that, against Duke. Yeah, and I remember last time ECU was in the national seed discussion in 2019 and they were just left out. One of the big arguments was EC only has so many wins against the quad one, quad two, whatever it was, basically ECU versus the top 25 RPI teams, ECU versus top 50 RPI teams. 
Duke more than likely will be a top 50 team. Whether they're a top 25 team in, at the end of the year remains to be seen. But that's two in your back pocket that you already have. And unfortunately, with the schedule being the way it is, you've only got six midweek games scheduled. You've played three of those. You lost to Old Dominion, which, by the way, is off to a pretty strong start themselves. Um, but honestly, beating Duke, to me, at the end of the year is more important on your resume. And we got a long way to go before that. But those games are going to look more important on your resume than ODU, which will probably be somewhere in the top 100, which you're going to have a lot of top 100 wins either way. So you've won two of the bigger midweek games. UNCW, I think, is you know now 10-3. and three. Uh, They'll probably be you know a borderline top 50 RPI team. So that's an important game coming up this week. And then, of course, you still got two left versus North Carolina, which is going to be, I think, very similar to Duke. And even if you split the two games versus UNC, you're three and one versus the ACC, and three and one versus some of the top competitions. So I think getting the two Duke wins is a big deal this early in the season. Um, so you know midweek games aren't everything, but they are important when it comes to your end of season resume. So a good start for ECU. We'll see if they can continue that. All right, let's go into the weekend series, Jonathan. Before we get into each game and kind of break this thing down. You know, we were texting, looking at Charlotte's numbers prior to the prior to the series. Both kind of a little worried. Um, I made the bold prediction Charlotte would win on Friday. That turned out to be incorrect. You know, you were thinking you wouldn't be shocked if they won the series. Um, and you look at their numbers, and yeah. But then you look at their schedule, you're like, are these guys legit? And I wrote my game story today. You know, Charlotte came into the series as one of the hottest teams in the country, but after facing ECU's pitching, they looked a lot more pedestrian. And I thought this weekend, while Charlotte is still much improved and I think can be a very good team, I think this weekend kind of showed ECU's arms are legit, no matter how good you are hitting. If ECU pitches well, they're going to win a lot of weekend series. Yeah, I was was wondering coming in if you were going to call me out for that uh, gut feeling I had, but... Yeah, like you said, you know, I looked at the numbers for the starting pitchers coming in and pretty much everyone had a sub 2.3 ERA. And, you know, obviously, no matter who you're facing, that's tough to do. I mean, ECU coming into the weekend, we had one sub four starter. So, you know, I was a little worried. I just had that gut feeling, you know. You texted me starting off and said, I have a feeling, you know, Charlotte might take tonight. And I said, I have a feeling Charlotte may take two at three. So, Clearly, I was wrong. I'm very glad that I'm wrong. But, yeah, like you said, it really just speaks to ECU's bats, too. I think ECU's bats did a really good job. We'll get into the Saturday night guy for Charlotte later on, but he had a great game. So, just really encouraging, and the pitching really stepped up as a whole. So, heading into Friday night's game, the big story was uh, the change in the rotation. You know, you still had the same three weekend starters. But Jake Kuchmanner was moved from Saturday up to uh, to Friday. And Kuch, you know, had not pitched too deep in the games early in this season for whatever reason. You know, struggled some with command. But uh, Friday was vintage Kuchmanner. I mean, he was dotting both sides of the plate. He was working up and down, multiple pitches, 10 strikeouts, which I believe were a career high, over five and a third innings. Jonathan, you covered this game. Uh, the Pirates ended up winning seven to four. But only needed to use two pitchers. Gavin Williams comes out of the bullpen, three and two-thirds. He strikes out five, walks none. Uh, This one, even though there were some big at-bats, I thought the pitching really carried ECU. Yeah, I mean, like you said, vintage Cooch. 
he came out in the first, you know, gave gave up consecutive one out singles, and you kind of start thinking it's like it might be another one of those games, but then he shuts it down with back to back strikeouts and picks up two more in the second and goes two three up three down innings in the second and third, and he was just he was on it. You could tell. He came back out for that second inning and he was he was working quick like he does and. They just couldn't put any solid contact on it. He ended up giving up a two-run shot to McCabe, but McCabe's a heck of a hitter, one of the best power hitters in the entire country. He he was trouble all weekend. but So you can't really be mad about, you know, one homer against McCabe. And But, yeah, Cooch came out. He pitched great, best outing of the season by far. Career high in 10 strikeouts, like you said, which was surprising to me. I in my head I just had it, you know, I figured it would be ten or eleven already, but previously it was nine. So that was cool to see. But it was one of those games I might be one of the most one of the only young people in the world that follow baseball that loves a low scoring pitcher's duel. And I think even though the score ended up being seven to four, I think that's kind of what we got. We got a pitcher's duel, Cooch Mater and then Williams came in, shut things down. I could get used to that too. Williams coming in every Friday night, throwing four innings out of the pen, and just shutting it down two weeks in two weeks in a row. Obviously, he might move to the pen, but it was really nice to see, and it was nice to see the bats score some in the middle innings and be able to, you know, build off of that Cooch start. Fifteen Ks for Williams and Cooch Manor combined, zero walks. I mean, that is an amazing stat in itself at the plate. The bottom of the order did the damage in this one. Of course, Thomas Francisco hitting in the three-hole. He went three for four. Uh, Josh Mullen had a good day, two for three. But the bottom of the order, man, Bryson World, Ben Newton, Ryder Giles combined to go eight of nine, four runs scored, five RBIs, two walks. Uh, that's pretty amazing from your bottom three. Yeah, I mean, coming into the weekend, you know, War Bryson World and Ryder Giles, they haven't been – Maybe we'll call it an unlucky start. You know, I think opening weekend, they both had some good at-bats. They put some hard contact on the ball, but they were just unlucky. It wasn't falling for them. And the last couple of weeks or so, I think both struggled just a little bit. But, you know, to see those guys come in and Worrell and Giles specifically and have days like they did, and then Ben Newton to step up again, who's – I talk about him all the time. I'm a big, big Newton fan. But – he comes in with three three hits in his first three at-bats, or four at-bats, sorry, all of which drove in a run. You know, that's really impressive because then when guys like Connor Norby and Seth Cadell who go and combine 0 for 9, you know, when you have guys at the bottom of the order picking them up, that's big. You know, obviously it's not going to click every night. So having adding some depth to your lineup like that is huge. So the Pirates win 7-4 to four on Friday, moving into Saturday – East Carolina uh, captures a 3-1 to one win, something they would do again on Sunday, which we'll talk about. But this one was a, you know, you talk about pitcher's duel. This was a true pitcher's duel in every sense of the word. Carson Wisenhunt uh, started for ECU. Bryce McGowan started for Charlotte. McGowan is a draft-eligible sophomore, so there were a ton of scouts in attendance for him on Saturday, but those same scouts also got to see Carson Wisenhunt, who will be eligible to be picked in next year's draft. And it was a 0-0 game going into the bottom of the sixth. 
We'll talk more about the pitchers in a minute, but Alec Makarevich really came up with a huge hit, a home run that kind of broke the ice to give ECU a one nothing lead. Then Connor Norby hits a home run in the seventh to make it a 3 nothing lead. And from there, the way ECU was pitching, that was all the offense needed. Carson Wisenhunt, man, just phenomenal. Seven innings, three hits, two walks, nine Ks. And now through four starts, 36 strikeouts, six walks. That's a ratio you'll take all day. Yeah, you know, I think that's pretty good. Um, something I didn't – I always, I knew that the coaches have talked him up a lot coming into the year. But, I mean, we talk about it every weekend. I didn't expect him to be this good this soon. I expected, you know, he'll, he'll start in a Sunday roll. It'll kind of take him a little bit to really find his groove. But he was in his groove before the season started. And like I said, we talk about it every weekend, but he has dominating stuff. He's a power fastball, 90 to 95. His changeup was really working for him and his slider or breaking ball, whichever one. He has three pitches that he throws for strikes, three pitches that he can get swings and misses on, and three pitches that he can throw confidently in any, any situation. So it's really encouraging to see out of a young pitcher like him and He's really solidified the rotation because I think it, we could be having some really different conversations if he hasn't stepped up the way he has this year. Yeah, we all knew that he had the fastball, the velocity. I didn't realize his changeup was that dominant. I think that's been the difference maker because, as Cliff Goblin said after Saturday's game, teams are trying to take away that fastball because when you throw 92, 93 consistently as a lefty, you have to get geared up for it. But his changeup obviously pitches right off his fastball. Teams have swung and miss on that a ton. Um, and just the way he's pitching, I mean, he is a, you know, Cliff said it in the preseason, he's a potential future first-round pit caliber arm, and you can definitely see that, you know, now 3-0 and through four starts. Um, and the, the biggest question I have with Carson Wisenhunt is how is this pitching staff or the coaching staff going to manage his workload? Because you're talking about a guy who – only threw like 10 pitches last year. Of course, was a high school kid before that. You know, this is a long season. A lot of pitchers can hit that freshman wall. And it's easy to say, hey, we want to limit his workload. But when he's out there rolling like he is, it's much tougher to do that. So uh, I like that they got him out after 83 pitches on Saturday. I don't think there's a need to extend him super long this early in the season because I think you want him fresh towards the back half. I do worry about him maybe hitting a freshman wall at some point, but thus far, no signs of that, Jonathan. But that is something to kind of monitor uh, all season, because going from basically zero innings thrown last year to uh, a full college season, that's a big jump to make. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to expect a guy in really his first year getting playing time at the D1 level, you know, to continue pitching the way he is. I think he's talented enough to do it, but like you said, it's a long season. He hasn't really pitched that long before for such an extended period of time. So I'll be interested, you know, once we get into conference play and into like conference tournament, if he's still pitching at the same level, but like you said, I I mean, he's thrown 70 plus pitches and I believe every start this year. So it's interesting, but for right now, it's really good because he's been the only guy who can go the distance in the rotation. So I think, when you think about it, you know, if someone else can step up in the weekend rotation and start going, you know, seven innings, 80 pitches other than Wisenhunt, then that kind of takes the pressure off, I think, later in the year. And you're not as reliant on him to go those seven innings as you are right now. Because right now you he has to go that 
he has to go that long because if he doesn't, we talk about the bullpen a lot. They're going to be gassed just like they were the first couple weekends. So Carson stepping up the last two weekends and going seven plus or around seven has been really, really encouraging. So Wizard Hunt goes seven. CJ Mayhew comes in and gets the final six outs. He gets his third save of the year. I believe gave up a home run with two outs in the ninth, but it was pretty meaningless because ECU wins the game three to one. So you make it through the first two games of the series, only needing to use four total pitchers, and that set up ECU really good going into Sunday, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Connor Norby, offensively, we talked about the home run earlier, which, by the way, is the first home run I've ever seen the center fielder break in multiple steps only to go back to try to catch it. Of course, he couldn't because it was over the fence, but it was just a bizarre night for the outfielders at times. Norby goes three for four, two RBI. Uh, he went over four on Friday, which broke his like 18-game hitting streak or something like that. But uh, again, bounces back three for four. Josh Moylan, two for three, another multi-hit day for Josh. And that was, you know, it wasn't a ton of offense. ECU finished with eight hits, but that was plenty with the way uh, with the way Wisenhunt was rolling. You know, shout out to Bryce McGowan, the Charlotte starter. Uh, I think we'd be remiss to not mention him. Eight Ks and five and two thirds. You know, ninety-two to ninety-four with the fastball, consistently ninety-two. He had three other pitches he threw, so. Uh, I thought ECU had a good approach, even though they didn't score a ton off of him. They got his pitch count up, which was critical in the in the middle to late innings. Yeah, you mentioned the Norby Homer, and not only was you know did he break so far in, but he was playing so far in. I thought his just positioning, he was playing so shallow, which to me, playing shallow anywhere against Connor Norby is just a disaster waiting to happen. But that was that was a really weird play. Like you said, I've never really seen that type of mishap but granted it didn't really matter but but yeah Bryce McGowan he was a he's a heck of a pitcher he's going to be a high draft pick very soon but the thing that stood out to me I think and we'll talk about him a little bit more after today's game too but Josh Moylan not only is he getting base hits you know two for three on Saturday he's doing an opposite field he's putting solid swings on every ball he makes contact with and I feel I feel like every hit he had this weekend went to the left side, which is really hard to do as a freshman left-handed hitter, I think. And we've talked about him a lot, but I think he's one of the one of, if not the most advanced hitters as a freshman the ECU's seen. And man, he's just getting started too. Yeah, great weekend by Josh, who we'll talk about here in a in a minute as we go into Sunday. Let's go into Sunday, Jonathan. We both made our bold predictions. We'll start there. We have not been able to recreate my Zach Agnos uh, success, which I called, what was that, Georgia Southern Series, uh, where I called the yeah. home run. And uh, so you said going into the weekend, Bryson Worrell would hit 500. Is that correct? Yes, I did. And it looked good for a while. It did. It did. He started the weekend really hot and probably only needed a hit or two on Sunday to do that. Unfortunately, Bryson goes 0 for 4, so a little shy of 500. But if you count the Duke game, maybe he got there for the week. So uh, he was close to it at least. So um, solid week for Bryson. I thought he just missed another home run today. It's hard to believe that ECU is 13-2 without Bryson even hitting a home run 15 games into the season. 
but uh, that's just baseball sometimes. Uh, but Josh Moreland, I texted you before the game as you made your bowl prediction. I answered back. Josh Moreland will go two or hit two. He'll get two hits, a home run, and a double. He got the home run, but unfortunately, Cliff Goblin, with his late inning defensive replacements, pulled him. He only got three at bats. Did not get a chance to get that double in the later innings, but. I was proud of the home run, so I told you I'm only going to stick to calling the home runs now. No other BS. I'm I'm just a home run caller. Yeah, you're good at that, and it didn't take you long to text me after Moreland's homer. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first thing I thought when that ball went over the fence. Yeah, and you talked about opposite field. Opposite field power, man. I mean, he he lets the ball travel, and we saw the poolside power, too, against Duke, I think, early this year where he just absolutely clubbed the home run onto the football field. So he doesn't strike out a lot. You know, he struck out looking, I think, today, but only nine strikeouts now in the season in 15 games. He's walked seven times, so really advanced hitter. Again, you know, he usually only gets three at-bats a game because of the defensive issues. So if there's one thing he needs to work on, probably defense going forward but you know he's a freshman he can't be all world and everything right away but uh big weekend for him hey guess who else homer jonathan connor norby <laughs> big surprise 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 his third home run of the week and again opposite field for connor as he kind of got one up in the air and it snuck over the right field fence so ecu for the second straight day not really a ton going defensively six hits but it's enough because of the pitching which we'll talk about in a minute three to one is the victory for the second straight day and uh, Cliff Goblin did say he thought the team was a little tired offensively. And listen, baseball's a grind, man. It's hard to get up there and score five, six runs a game, get double-digit hits. But um, I think it says something when you're not playing at your best offensively that the pitching picks you up, and that's what we saw ECU, uh, ECU do today. Yeah, I mean, like we said, it was another one of those 3-1 pitchers duels, which, again, I love. It's my favorite type of baseball game to watch, whether I'm there or watch it on TV. But, man, I mean, we got out. Charlotte started off on the right foot, you know, three hits right off, right out of the gate. And, again, you start to think, it's like, man, this could be one of those games where an ECU starter just doesn't go deep into the game. But I think Tyler Smith did a heck of a job to get out of that first inning jam. You know, three consecutive singles – and then gives up an RBI double play to get two outs. Run comes in. You'll take that any day of the week. And then he gets out of it with a fly out to get, to get out of it. And then he comes back again in two quick innings, three quick innings, really. Really every other inning pitch was pretty quick. I think it was really efficient from there. And it was nice to see because it's one of those in Sunday on a Sunday game, even though we only used two guys out of the bullpen the previous two days, You'd still like to see your starter go, you know, four or five, get there at least, and then you can work your bullpen, go to your best guys. And we were able to do that. And uh, once again, the offense did just enough and the pitching backed it up. So it was one of those games you just love to see as a pitcher. Yeah, I thought Tyler Smith, I thought that, yeah, I mean, the, the first inning was the game because if Charlotte puts up three or four runs there, that changes the entire complexion of the game. Getting that double play ball was huge. Um, he's been in that situation a lot as a fifth-year senior, so credit to him. And I thought he probably could have stayed in the game with the way he was throwing. He kind of got – he gave up a cheap hit in the top of the fifth on a weird hop. 
and you know a slow grounder up the middle so his stuff was still working but you know the third time through the order I think Cliff wanted to go to the bullpen mainly because you had multiple guys who hadn't thrown all weekend Matt Bridges, Camp Colmore, A.J. Wilson, Ryder Giles none of those guys had thrown since the Duke game Colmore hadn't thrown since early March so you needed to get them work Bridges was throwing in like the second inning because he hadn't worked all weekend so um, he goes two and a third. He ends up getting the win since Smith did not technically qualify because he came uh, one out short of the five-inning minimum. But uh, Bridges goes two and a third, gives up one hit. Colmore, good to see him back out there. Thought he wasn't 100% on point, but he hadn't pitched in so long. Still gets two outs, gives up a hit. A.J. Wilson comes in to get the McCabe kid. And then Ryder Giles does what he does, throws strikes, make the opponent hit him. Uh, three balls in play, three outs, as he only needs 10 pitches to get through the night. So, again, the bullpen just did a tremendous job all weekend, and this was another sign of it. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that about, you know, maybe the pitchers in the bullpen not getting a lot of work recently. You know, that that's the balance you have to kind of walk, you know, when you're asking your starters to go, a guy like Wisenhunt to go seven innings, and I say earlier, you know, ideally you have one more guy in the rotation that can do that. But then you have to find the balance of how are you getting the other guy's work because there's a big difference in pitching a bullpen in the middle of the week in practice and warming up in the pen than going out there and facing an opponent. So, like you said, Colmore hadn't pitched in a while. He didn't look like his best self, but he still looked pretty good. I thought Bridges did a heck of a job out of the pen. Wilson did another good job as kind of a one-out specialist type of pitcher, and that seemed to work out well for him lately. And, yeah, Ryder, he – He's throwing strikes. I didn't really expect Ryder to be the guy to, you know, in these types of games to come in and pitch in these types of situations so often, just given the quality of arms we have back there. But he said, screw that. He is one of those quality arms. And, you know, I think that's I think that's his first save, but I think that's at least the third game that he's been out there in the ninth in a close-ish game. So it's nice to see someone like Ryder step up. It's nice to see someone like A.J. Wilson step up. But, yeah, I think that's the thing I'm kind of watching right now. How do you get those guys work while Balance also trying to work your starters later in the games? So it's it's a fun line you're trying to walk. Yeah, we did not see a couple guys this weekend, like Nick Logish. He was warming up late in the game. Um, Danny Beal was warming up a while, and either of those guys pitched. So if it's a weekend where your starters maybe don't go as long, maybe you need them, need them more. Um, but, I mean, I tell you what, the rider – you know he's going to throw strikes. Now uh, he's not the he's not going to blow anybody away. He when teams barrel him up, they have a chance to score some runs. But it's comforting to know, no matter what. Like Logish to me is a guy that great stuff, but sometimes can get a little wild in a two run game. You know, Ryder's going to go out there and they're going to have to bunch together four or five hits to score, uh, and they could not do it. Three outs, three up, three down in the ninth. So he gets his first save. You know, Mayhew's gotten a save this year. Gavin's gotten a save. I think Colmore's gotten a save. So they're not afraid to spread the wealth when it comes to getting saves. So ECU wins it 3-1. They complete the sweep and prove to 13-2 on the season. All right, we'll take a look ahead at the uh, upcoming schedule in a minute. But let's give out first our weekly, our weekly honors, Jonathan, which have yet to be recognized by ECU. But it's okay because our fan base recognizes them each week. We will start first with our hitter of the week. And 
it's going to be it's going to be a familiar <laughs> name because uh, Connor Norby just continues to absolutely rake the baseball, and he is once again our hitter of the week. I think for the third time in four weeks this year. You know, to be fair, there were a couple other legitimate candidates this week: Ben Newton, Bryson Worrell, Josh Moreland. But Connor Norby, you can't deny the power numbers: seven for seventeen. Three homers, three runs scored, seven RBIs, and a couple of stolen bases, and good defense. Not that that's a requirement for the Hitter of the Week award. Yeah, and he also walked a couple of times as well. But, you know, like we said, we just we keep talking about Connor Norby. He keeps winning this award. I think he's probably the odds-on favorite to win it about every week. But, yeah, I think it's about time that, you know, ECO Athletics recognizes these awards – you know, I think it's one of the best honors someone can get. But, but yeah, like you said, got someone that spoke out to me, you know, Josh Moore, than we talked about him, but Bryson Worrell had a good week. He needed a week like this. And then not only just at the plate, but on the base pass, he had three or four stolen bases, if not more, throughout the week as well. So it was nice to see, like I said earlier, a balanced approach. You know, guys like Seth Cadell didn't really have the best of weeks, but other guys stepped up. And it was nice to see kind of a balanced approach, but Norby was obviously the, I think, cream of the crop this week once again. Yeah, you can't deny the home run numbers and, and the clutchness of his at-bats. All right, pitcher of the week, big surprise, familiar name here as well with the way he's pitching early this season. Really a no-brainer once again. Carson Wisenhunt, the standout second-year freshman. Seven shutout innings, a career high. Nine strikeouts, two walks, just three hits allowed, 83 pitches. You know, we've seen Wisenhunt be dominant, but this was probably the most dominant he's been early in his young career. Yeah, I mean, he still looks like he's just getting into his groove. You know, he's working up. I think he's gotten better with each start, which is hard to believe given how he started. But, you know, there there were a few, a few other guys that I had honorable mentions. You know, Cooch Manor, we talked about him Friday night. Vintage Cooch Manor. C.J. Mayhew got a couple saves over the week, um, and Matt Bridges had a couple of big outings too. So, like we've talked about it a lot, a lot of quality arms going right now. But wasn't Hunt? He's legit. He's going to be a high draft pick whenever he leaves here, whenever that time comes. And the scary thing is, he's only getting better. So I'm excited to see where he can take the rest of the year. Only four starts in his career, but, man, the potential is off the charts. All right, our Rookie of the Week, um, another multi-time winner, I believe, is Josh Moylan. He is our Hitter of the Week for ECU, the true freshman. We talked about it, how advanced he is as a hitter at a young age. Six for 12, a home run, three RBIs, three runs scored. So another week batting 500 for Josh Moylan. And uh, – at least four or five of those, if not all of them, went to the opposite field. Yeah, I, I really do believe that every hit he had this week was to the left side of the field, which, like we talked about earlier, is just crazy to me that he's that advanced already. He's swinging the bat really well. And I mentioned it coming into the year, you know, kind of some important players to ECU success. We wrote that You wrote that article and we had talked about it on the podcast, but I mentioned him as kind of a under-the-radar guy who if he can really develop and swing the bat the way he is right now, that adds a whole another element to the lineup. I think without him swinging the bat how he is, again, you know, we're kind of questioning where where the, where the power coming from beyond guys like Norby and Cadell. And 
it's nice to see him swinging the bat how he has. So, and again, he's another guy. He's in his first season, first season with the program too. He's not a COVID freshman. He's a true freshman. So he's got a lot of ways to get better too. You mentioned defensively. I think later in the year, they're going to need his bat later in the games. So figuring that out, but early season, it's really nice to see him starting off. Josh Mullen, our rookie of the week, and that'll do it with our look back at the week that was. The Pirates go 4-0, 13-2 on the season now. A brief look ahead, Jonathan, before we get out of here. UNCW on Wednesday. Uh, on the road, the Pirates will return to uh, Wilmington. And, man, it's going to be weird because that was the location last year where it all stopped. The Of course, the COVID hit. That night, ECU lost in a walk-off home run. I believe Ryder Giles was on the mound. I was there, and it was like the weirdest night I've ever experienced covering sports for obvious reasons. But I, I can just remember every little aspect of that game, talking to Cliff Godwin after it. So it's it's got to be a weird feeling for the team to get back on the bus and go to Wilmington in a place that's never easy to play. UNCW's a very good baseball team, but I would have to think that they're pretty motivated going into Wednesday night's game uh, against the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, even for the, you know, especially for the guys who were here last year and were there, you know, they, they, they remember that was the last time they played baseball last season. So they're going to have that in their minds when they get there, at least to some extent. And I think it's going to give them an extra boost. But I'm hoping I can find my way into tickets to UNCW. I'm, I'm browsing. I'm crossing my fingers. I'd love to be there. But knowing our luck, and you and I, you were there last year when it shut down. I'm kind of scared to even risk it. I kind of think I might need to stay here. I know. I, I've I've had the same thoughts because I'm I'm scared to make that trip. First off, it either it either always rains and the game gets canceled. There was a year that uh that I was on the way to Wilmington and the game got canceled due to rain. Last year, the entire season got canceled afterwards because of COVID. So, I'm yeah, I'm kind of scared the ECU is even scheduled to play this game, honestly. Uh, it might be best if it just gets washed away. But uh, but that'll be a good game, man. People always talk about ECU State, ECU Duke, ECU UNC. But ECU UNCW is just as much a rivalry as any of those games. Um, so, it'll be a fun one. And then Illinois State, they'll come in here over the weekend. If you don't know much about Illinois State – they a couple of years ago they were actually in the Louisville regional when ECU ended up meeting Louisville in the super regional and they made it to the championship game and were just a few outs away from knocking off the Cardinals and coming to ECU for that super regional. So I don't think they're just they're not as strong as they were that year, but they have some talent and they're capable of coming here and winning a game or two if ECU doesn't play well. So another challenging week ahead. Of course, we'll have coverage for you all week long on uh, on hoistthecolors.net. It'll start Wednesday against UNCW. But, Jonathan, it's been fun, man, recap another winning week, a 4-0 and week. And I think we all kind of went into this week thinking 3-1 and will be good. But 4-0, and man, uh, you got to feel pretty good if you're Cliff Godwin. Yeah, you got to feel pretty good if you're Cliff Godwin. And like we said earlier, you got to feel good if you're me having that gut feeling coming into the weekend. You might lose two out of three, so I'm glad I was wrong. I think, like you said, we'll take three and one in the week like this any day of the week. So to go four and oh is just, it's awesome. And it was great weather this weekend. There wasn't a cold night. It was all warm, sunnies 
fifties to sixties to seventies. So it was really nice. I was able to get out there Saturday. So really good week, really good weekend. And I'm excited for Illinois state. I think they're a sneaky, tough opponent, kind of like Charlotte. So I think it's going to be another close and hard fought weekend. And yeah, Wilmington's going to be a tough one too. I'm very excited for that game though. Very excited. Should be another fun week ahead. That'll do it for the Hoist the Colors podcast. For Jonathan, I'm Stephen Igo. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back with you next Sunday to recap the series against Illinois State. afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.